0: Chapter One The chemicals he had used stung her eyes, but she couldn't close them. She was too scared of what would happen. He had left her strapped in the old-fashioned wheelchair down in the basement, alone, staring at the cutting slab in the centre of the room. Her body! Oh, God! Tears slipped silently down her pale cheeks, seeping over the black, duct tape. She was terrified by what she had seen. It was beyond anything she could ever have imagined. There was no logic behind what he had done to subject A. Or maybe in his head it made sense, for he had never hesitated, not once. He just concentrated on... on altering her. He had left her lying there, bleeding, barely alive, for hours and hours before returning to complete his transformation. He was gone now. With her. Where did he take you? He was a perfectionist. She knew that, had witnessed it firsthand. It burned like a raging fever in his eyes. She stared hard at what was left on the metal autopsy table. The skin, blood, and... She did not want to think about the rest. No, don't think about what he did to her afterwards. Her face felt cold, her tears were filled with remorse, though there was nothing that she could have done to help. There were only three of them left now. He had promised her, them, that he would find a cure for their ailments. He said that they were all infected with the same disease, a disorder of structure that he was charged with curing. It was his obsession, his life role, and he had selected them individually, had sought them out from so many potential candidates. His intention was to physically change them, to make them unrecognisable. She understood that now. He had bleached Subject A's dark brown hair, blonde, covered her eyes with bright green contact lenses, altered her body, and finally her face. The thought of the end result terrified her. He terrified her. She strained to hear something. Anything. But all she could hear was a deathly silence that bounced back at her off the thick stone walls. She was scared. But she couldn't call out for help. Then she heard the music. It was faint, but she could still make out the crackling and static from the old vinyl on the gramophone. It was the third movement from Debussy's Sweet Bergamasque. The hairs on the back of her neck stood up as a feeling of disquiet unfurled itself in the pit of her stomach. She knew that something was wrong, that one of the other patients must have been distressed. The music was only played to help induce a state of calm in the sanatorium. That was what he called it, the sanatorium. He had told her that the old building was built to accommodate tuberculosis patients. It had all made sense to her, then, the rows of old-fashioned wrought-iron beds, the large, whitewashed ward, and the countless empty wheelchairs lined up sinisterly in the hallways she thought about what could have upset the patient, or patients, for there were two of them left up there. No, he wouldn't have. Paralysed, she had watched as he had wheeled Subject A out of the basement room. He had never once looked at her. It was as if he had forgotten that she even existed. She tried to ignore the panic that was starting to build— Sometimes he would be gone for what felt like days at a time as they lay in their hospital beds, unable to move. Waiting. Always waiting for him to come back. Sometimes he left them in their wheelchairs, facing the windows, all in a regimented line. He said it was good for their constitution, the biting fresh air. He would forget that the cold and rain could drive through the large open windows, burrowing into their sickly flesh as it clung to their protruding bones. He would forget that they were immobile, unable to move or speak until he returned. All they could do was watch and wait. Prisoners in their own bodies. She wondered whether he had taken Subject A's body upstairs to the ward.